to the fourth official soccer podcast. My name is Bori Olodemi and I'm joined by Sulaiman Lassisi. Sulaiman, I don't know about you, but the Champions League is back. I am very, very excited. How do you feel? I am excited for the Champions League. You know, there's big heavyweights going against each other once again. And at this time, there is no margin for error. These games matter a lot. So I'm just as excited as you. Yes, and uh, yeah, it starts tomorrow. Uh, it's been it's been a while. It feels too long. Like I feel like they should uh, they should reduce the time or play more games or something. I don't know, but I really miss the Champions League. Yeah, you know, I keep expecting midweek games to happen. I actually don't go and check the schedule, but I'm like, there should be a Champions League game this week, and then there is none. So I'm glad it's finally back on schedule. With that, I'll lead into the spot kick. And what I want to talk about is none other than the biggest off-field news in soccer, Manchester City. The independent adjudicatory chamber of UEFA just banned Manchester City for two seasons in all UEFA competitions and also hit them with a big fine of 30 million euros. Bori, what's your reaction to this development? I did not read the fine print, so I don't really fully understand the ramifications or the reason why they were banned. I'm sure, yes, because they breached FFP, which AC Milan breached. Um, but this is a wowzer news for uh, for Manchester Manchester City. Uh, a lot of my friends were like, oh my gosh, this is good. this is bad news for UEFA. They're going to lose so much money. But then I thought about it. I was, I was like, no, like City, does. they don't have that many fans. I actually don't know the actual figure of or how much money that Manchester City generates for UEFA, but I feel like Manchester, I feel like UEFA will rather have Manchester United at, in the Champions League than having City in the Champions League. Yeah, and I, I echo your sentiments in the sense that Manchester United is definitely a bigger brand, a bigger club, has a bigger fan base than Manchester City. So let's go back to this current scenario for Manchester City. Can you tell me what you think the best case scenario is? And keeping in mind that they can still contest this in the court of law. What do you think the best case scenario is for them? And what is the worst case scenario? I mean, worst case scenario is what they have right now. They have to pay 30 million and then they have to 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 sit out for two years. Uh, best case scenario would be, I don't know, if you think about like a, a, a club like City, money is not that issue. So you really have to just ban them from competitions that they really want. So uh, I, I, I was thinking maybe increase the fine, but I mean, come on, 30 million is nothing. Even if you increase it to 100 million, I mean, yes, it's going to hurt. But like, I don't think that's a, a big deal for them. I think they'll make more money in playing, you know, playing the Champions League for two years than, than, than if they had to just pay 100 million flat. Um, I think the best case scenario is probably just one year. They just, you know, they lose the whole thing. Uh, they, they don't play the Champions League for a year. I think that's the, the best scenario for them. And, and then obviously still pay the 30 million. Um, but I, I, I think they should definitely face some kind of consequence for sure. And I think that includes banning them from the competition. Gotcha. A few things I can think of right now is best case scenario, they win the Champions League. Worst case scenario a Max Exodus, Kevin De Bruyne, Raheem Sterling, and all the big names, Bernardo Silva, all leave the club. We don't, we don't really know what's going to happen, but that's just something I've been mulling over since well, I heard of the news. I, I don't think it's going to be that... Well, I guess if it's two years, um, then then you could have people leaving. But if it's just one year, I think they may... Because, I mean, look look at it. They've not won, they're not going to win the, the EPL this season. So they may want to stay on for next season and then try to win the EPL and then, you know 
the next year if they're in in, in the Champions League, then try to win that. But um, you bring up a good point. Um, but I don't think these players will also go for cheap. So I don't know how many teams can really afford to buy, you know, all these players. But it, it is a good point that you bring up. Definitely. Let's move on to other big teams or other important teams in the Premier League and none other than Liverpool come to mind right now. Mane scored the only goal against Norwich this past weekend and the assist came via Henderson. I can't think of a better combination of the most important players for Liverpool this season. Any thoughts? Oh my God, uh, the Mane finish was crazy. The way he stressed his leg to control the ball first and then the finish was even amazing. What a great play. I mean, I... W- <sighs> I don't know how Liverpool is going to do after the, in the transfer market this this summer, but I would be surprised if if one of those guys don't go, one of Salah or, or Mane don't go, because Mane, for example, he's beasting it, and um, I, I don't see why any big club would not want to go for them. I mean, if you think of, of a club like like uh, Barcelona or, or or Juventus, for example, I, I don't know why they wouldn't buy one of these players, but Mane was absolute class. Definitely. And in Mane's case, I feel like it, it reminds me of Hazard's case. If they do win the Premier League, I don't think there's anything else or any reason he needs to stay back in England because it feels like he has won it all at Liverpool. But let us move on and talk about Arsenal for a minute. They just dominated and destroyed Newcastle this weekend 4-0. And I'm not even going to talk about the number of players that scored. I just want to single out Bukayo Saka, Bori. Bukayo Saka was the man of the match against Newcastle. And I think it's very interesting that this coach has faith in youth. He's playing him either as a left back or as a left in the left midfield. And he has been a very consistent feature for the Gunners. Do you think that this is a blueprint that can work going forward, knowing how Arsenal operates with youth? Yeah, I mean, this is great. I mean, I think they have the right manager to even bring up the youth. Um Arteta is doing a, a, a great job so far. Um, I, yeah, I, I'm happy for, for Saka also. I mean, being that I don't know he, if he's chosen between Nigeria or England, so it would be it would be nice to have him play for Nigeria. Um, I, I don't know if they can go far with this. I you know like obviously the, I, I love the youth. I'm a you know I, I I support that having the youth play, but as we've seen again time and time again, the youth don't always deliver. So, but. Arsenal has it right though. They have the balance of the youth and the uh, and the older players. So this is this is good for them to have, you know, because uh, uh, Saka is uh, what like seven, what 17, 18, uh, and he's 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 and he's it's good that he's able to be dynamic and fit the tactics of Arteta. Um, so good to see. I, I'm very surprised that they were able to score four goals. Uh, to be honest, I know it's Newcastle, but still, this is still Arsenal we're talking about. Definitely. We'll see how how this faith in youth plays out in the next fixtures. Spurs outlast Villa. This was a game where I felt like it was just who could be more horrible in defense. And it turns out the Villa turned hero turned villain Jean Hengels took the title of being the most horrible player in defense. He had considered a penalty kick and then scored a goal redeeming himself and then giving away one to Son in the very last minute of the game. So this one, I I want to ask you, given the outcome of this game, do you think the Mourinho blueprint or master plan is working at Spurs? Well, you didn't talk about Adeverell too. I mean, he had had an own goal and then also scored, which is great. Um, 
to be honest, this is not a Mourinho team. Uh, I've said it time and time again, he needs a summer. Um, these are not the players that I, I think he wants. Um, and it's clear because they're playing good one week and they're playing bad another week. I mean, Mourinho's team is always like, you know, they get the draw or the win. That's usually what they do unless it goes, you know, wayward, like the third third season in, in Manchester United and Chelsea. Um, but I can't read... I can't say this is a Mourinho team, and I don't think it's having any effect on these sets of players. I feel the same way. He definitely would do better giving Osama for him to put a team together. But then let's move on to Chelsea and Manchester United, both teams that Mourinho have coached in the past. The game I saw today just makes me feel like everything wrong with VAR just happened in that game. But I do not want to talk about that because I know we sit on different sides of that argument. But I want to mention something I thought was so interesting when the commentator said it. The first Nigerian to play for Manchester United, Odion Higalo, made history today. What do you think about that? Hey, I just, all I saw was he missed a one-on-one. Uh, a per- chance that would have really, really just solidified his presence um, coming in late. Um, uh, props to Manchester United, you know, for it, but being able to win at Chelsea, I think they are the only, I think they're the last team that didn't score away. There was some kind of stats around that, um, that I think they were the last team to, to score away or something like every other team in the EPL had scored away, but except Manchester United. So this was very interesting to see. Um, great for Odin Gallo. I'm not going to lie. I mean, apart from the one-on-one that he missed, the... The handling of the ball was was amazing. You know, the, his first touch was great. He was able to, you know, dribble around and then pass the ball away. Um, so so that he seemed calm, uh, which is good because you know Manchester United are a very big club, and I feel like it's going to be hard for somebody to come in, and especially when they're looking up to him to kind of you know provide the goals and and hold the ball up front. So so kudos to him for being able to to play uh, well under pressure. Definitely. History has been made and I cannot wait for the first time he gets a goal for Manchester United as that will be a history as being the first Nigerian to score for Manchester United as well. I do have a question for you though. What is happening with Kepa? Um, I think last I heard, I know Lampard was not happy with him, but why is he on the bench and why is Caballero playing over? Because I feel like you know, the goals that United scored today, maybe one of them could have been saved. Well, I never trusted Kepa. I never thought he was a first-class goalkeeper. And from his savings records this season, he's actually one of the most horrible in all of the top five premier, all of the top five leagues in Europe. And not only that, he's the ho- most horrific when it comes to saves in the top, in all the leagues in England. So I am not surprised at that decision. Actually, I would have said, what took so long? Ha. I see. Well, let's move on to the Serie A, to the biggest game this past weekend. Lazio played Inter Milan. Lazio won that game 2-1. And we just spoke about Manchester United. And it was a certain Manchester United player that actually gave Inter Milan the goal. Ashley Young uh, scored the goal. Uh, Does this amaze you that a player that was an outcast in United is doing well in Inter? Not in any way, shape or form. I actually believe that Manchester United, and when I say Manchester United, I mean the establishment, the people that make decisions. They always had things for certain players, like Ashley Young, Romelu Lukaku, and and a host of other players. I felt like they just, they weren't patient enough with them, and it was always a matter of when the team does bad, it was them. And now you can see that these players are on 
in completely different systems and they're doing very well. So not surprised here. Yeah, and Inter, this is their second loss this week. And I'm not trying to put it in your face. Obviously, this is the tightest race we have this this year um, with the top three where like they're, what, three points away from each other. Um, but Inter Milan's second loss in a week, um, it looks like uh, all the players and reinforcement that it, that Conte brought, uh, half of them are doing well, half of them are not doing well. I mean, Eriksen was pff, shambles uh, uh, in the game against Lazio. Um, even though, I know he came in as a, as a sub, um, but uh, do, I guess do do you think Conte d- made the wrong choice by just buying a bunch of players? I never really understood why he bought a bunch of players. I mean, the good thing that goes on for Inter Milan is if you look at the bench, it's like basically it could be another team. Um, that's the only good thing. But why is he not able to still get results from all these quote unquote star and veteran players playing for Inter Milan? Well, I don't want to sound too. I don't want to sound like I'm in the knowings of what's happening there, but I would call this a rough patch. Lesio, this season is no piece of cake. You have to really end the right to win against that team, and Inter did not deserve to win in that game. So definitely, Inter will try to come back strong. And in your to your question, is is Conte's strategy working? It looks like it isn't right now, but given their position in the table. Compared to recent years, I think they still definitely have a chance at going for the Scudetto this year. Speaking about Lazio, I know a lot of people have not given them or given them the the sight of the uh, Scudetto because people think it's going to be either Inter Milan or Juventus. Uh, but they haven't lost since September. They've beaten Juve twice this season. They've they've now beaten Inter Milan once this season. Uh, do you think they stand a chance? I mean, this is what like we're more than halfway. Uh, in in the season and they're still playing very well, uh, albeit you know like their their squad is very thin. They don't have the depth as Inter Milan or Juventus has. Uh, but do you think they can actually win the Scudetto? And be just be honest here. Like, do do you think the the fact that maybe their squad is thin may, may be a problem for them? Well, so I'm one of those people who never give them a chance. I remember when we did our preseason predictions they were not they didn't feature in my predictions but given what they've done so far beating Juventus twice is no mean feat so definitely they are an outside chance to win the Scudetto and I would say the fact that they're not playing in the Champions League definitely also helps their cause so I would say the third when you consider the the most aggressive contenders for the Scudetto they're definitely in third place for me Wow, interesting. I would actually, say, I actually think they may actually go ahead and win. Actually, uh, and they may surprise us. But uh, a lot of inter, uh, Italian league fans don't want them to win. It's like you know, like how pe- a lot of English fans don't want Liverpool to win. They don't want Lazio to win. It's the same feeling. Um, but props to Immobile. He scored 26 goals in 24 games um, last season. They gave um, Ronaldo the MVP of of Serie A for last season. Um, but I feel like they're they're going to shaft Immobile again this season. Uh, but it, it's good to see that he's scoring way many goals than, than, than you know, quote-unquote, the best player in the world. Um, so it, it's just great to see. But let's let's move on to the best player of the world's team, Juventus. Uh, although Ronaldo was not in the game, uh, Juventus still went on to beat Brescia 2-0. Um, and... Uh, one notable thing in this game is Chiellini is back. Remember, he had a torn ligament, I think, towards the beginning of the season. Was you know he was out for like five months, and now he's back. 
Um, and given the Champions League coming back, I think this is a great time for him to be back. Uh, another player that I wanted to mention was Dybala. Dybala fi- finally scoring again. Um, seems like he was low, very low on confidence. Um, but, uh, you know, again, scored, scored a very nice uh, free kick. Uh, the one thing I do want to point out and just really talk about in this game is, and, and basically a lot of games before this game, is we, you know the Sari ball. You know, very family, we're all familiar with Sari ball, but it seems like we're not seeing it. And I kind of thought it was because Ronaldo was there and kind of Ronaldo was messing up. But still, I still couldn't see it this past weekend. So is there... Is Sarri not able to get his ideas across? Because it seems weird that we're not seeing Sarri ball from Juventus. That is a good point you mentioned. And I was thinking about the same thing. I do not see an ever-present in that midfield. I feel like there's so many people who come in and then go back out. Now, I've been, lately, I've been seeing a lot of Aaron Ramsey on the team. But I don't see an ever-present. And I feel like if you want a Sarri ball, you have to have a student of your system that knows it so well, that can implement it week in, week out. I don't see that. So it doesn't translate on the field. I think you're correct, my friend. So we'll see. I don't I don't think Sarabal is going to happen this season. Um, but let's move on to Atalanta-Roma. Um, the only reason why I'm pointing this out is because the Champions League is coming. Atalanta on fire. They, you know, they can't stop winning. Um, and Roma can't stop losing, basically. Um, but I guess we'll talk about this in the future uh, when we talk about our UCL predictions. But uh, Atlanta currently fourth. Um, I don't think they have a chance to win the Scudetto. But uh, it's just great to see a very small team that can't even have that doesn't even have a big stadium uh, just thrive and win. Yeah, for me, I think it's the fact that they can make back-to-back Champions League qualifications. When you look at a very competitive league like the Serie A, I think that is not a small achievement. And if they can do that, I mean, that's something like that a big team like Milan hasn't done in a minute. So if they can actually go back to the Champions League, for me, that's more than enough. All right, let's move on to the La Liga. Um, so Barcelona played a very, very good rival, Hetafe. This weekend, Barcelona barely won by 2-1. I mean, well, I won't say barely won. They were up 2-0 for, for a while, and then Gaddafi got a, a, a goal uh, back. But um, I know a lot of people may not realize this, but Gaddafi has actually, before that game, before they scored the first goal, um, they've gone 393 minutes without conceding a goal. So it, it's amazing that that they've done so well, and they're currently fourth in the table. But I don't know if you saw the game, but the Messi assist to Antoine Griezmann was absolutely crazy. I mean, it looks simple and looks easy, but it's just the vision and just the, the fact that Griezmann is able to, to know to move to the right um, is just crazy. And then the finish from Griezmann was actually even more fantastic and amazing. Do you think that Griezmann and Messi have found their you know, gel, you know, like their chemistry is, is this, are we going to see a new Suarez in the, in the pack or what's going on here? I mean, for the sake of Barcelona, I hope that's the case. I, I saw a video clip of that pass. Messi doesn't see passing lanes. He creates them. It was a very, very, it was a it pass from a visionary in the person of Messi. So definitely a great one, but I want to see this repeat itself in future fixtures for me to think that this is a staple. Yeah, and the players play tribute to Dembele, who's obviously out for, for the rest of the season, which is real. I, I mean, so I am not a doctor by any means, and I've never played football professionally. But I wonder, why, why is he getting injured so crazy? Like, I don't I don't get this. But, 
he's out for the for, for the rest of the season. I think he needs to put on more muscle, to be honest. If you really ask me, I think he needs more muscle or something because I don't understand how a player can just keep getting injured. And maybe it's just genes. Maybe maybe it could be that. But, like, it's just sad to see. Like, it's just, it just feels like a waste of money. Well, I my I don't know. I was going to say definitely a waste of money, but it's injuries, and you really can't plan for injuries. So I wish him the very best. I hope he comes back and gets back to his best state of health so that he can deliver the trust that this club had in him. Well, speaking about injuries, Real Madrid, uh, for Real Madrid, Hazard is back. And again, this is a very huge boost for them, I believe, uh, because obviously they have Manchester City coming up in a few weeks. Uh, in the Champions League, uh, but Real Madrid and 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 Bale were not enough to to get a win over Celta Vigo, who uh, which ended up uh, a two-two tie. And now we've seen a very you know exciting race because now Barcelona is just one point behind Real Madrid. Uh, is this a cause for alarm for Real Madrid, given the Champions League? No cause for alarm, but definitely I still think Barcelona are the favorites for this. La Liga, so definitely they need to be very crisp and very, very careful in the games they play because I think that Hazard's not clicking and it's not looking like Barcelona will let up this league easily. So definitely they need to just be crisp. That's that's really all it comes down to because Barcelona are going to fight until the very last minute of the season. So yes, let's talk about the bully, the Bundesliga. There really isn't much happening here, Bori, except for the fact that there's still four points between first place and fourth place. And keeping in mind that the fourth place team, your favorite, Borussia Mönchengladbach, has a game in hand. So we might wake up sometime soon and they actually might be in second place if they win the game in hand. Do you have any thoughts on the intensity with which this league is proceeding? Oh, I have huge thoughts, especially about Gladbach. Um, again, I had to watch the game because I'm a fan. That, that's the team I'm rooting for in, in the Bundesliga. Um, again, superb play. Like, they are playing tiki-taka. They are playing very fast passing. It's just, you know, kind of, I mean, not Barcelona style, up to, you know, like not up to par, but it's still kind of similar. And this team is very exciting to watch, and that's why I keep watching them. I think they can go all the way, actually. I think they can still win it. And they have a game in hand. If they if they win that game, I think they'll come up to third. Uh, but with Leipzig and Bayern playing the, and even Dortmund also playing the Champions League, I think one of them or, or both or, or two teams are bound to slip, and and that could propel Gladbach to the top. So uh, Gladbach is back, um, and, and and I believe they'll keep winning all their all their important games. And I guess you know when they get to the top teams like like Leipzig and Dortmund and, and Bayern, that's when we really see if they if they can win this. But if they if they're able to win. At least two of those games, I think they can definitely win this whole thing. I see. Something for you to keep in mind. It's called the curse of success. Let's hope and let's see that Borussia Mönchengladbach goes on and wins this season. The likes of Alazan Plier and Marcos Thuram are going to be darlings of the big clubs in Europe. Do you think that this might be the last season of these players for this club? Oh, of course. I mean, especially if they win the champ- uh, the 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 Bundesliga. I mean, you know, that's Bayern's motto. Like Bayern just scoops, scoops, goes into all these teams and scoops the, the top players. Um, so yes, if, especially if they win, I think they're definitely out. And it will be good for Gladbach to make some money also, and maybe they can they can still invest that money back to the youth and, and bring up some new players, or, or or go out to to France and and get some players from there. Um, but I, I think for sure, if if they win the league, 
Uh, they're, they're definitely guaranteed to, to lose players. Um, if they don't win the league, they could lose one or two, one or two players. But, but I think winning the league will give them more um, spotlight, which is which is going to be a bad thing for them uh, uh, eventually. Um, I do want to talk about Bayern Munich though, um, and the reason why I'm talking about them again is because of the Champions League. Um, they play Chelsea, and I want to mention this one important player, Nabry. I mean, I don't know if you saw the goals he scored. Absolutely amazing. I think he's going to be the key for them in the Champions League. And actually, I was thinking, I didn't think of them as highly as a team that can go far in the Champions League. But I, I think I think with Nabri in the team, I think they can really go far. I don't know what you think about that. Well, I saw that goal. The second of his goals this weekend, it was a great goal. And I definitely agree with you. He has done it in London once this, se- this season in the Champions League. There's no stopping him if he decides to go off the second time in London. So definitely a player to watch. Let's move on to the league. Um, very strange game this weekend. Uh, the only reason why I'm talking about this is because there were eight goals scored this weekend. Um, Amiens, who was a t- the team that was 19th place, were able to score four goals against the almighty PSG in Ligue 1. Um, to be fair, though, uh, PSG started their second string uh, defenders, so maybe that had to do something with it, but Navas wasn't goal, so it's kind of awkward. I don't know, it's kind of weird to to kind of say, you know, I mean, I still think they should still be good enough to, to not be able to concede four goals against a team that is currently 19th in the league. Uh, um, I want to mention Cavani. Cavani, I think he's lost it, obviously, maybe because you ha- he has replacements like Card Mbappe, so maybe that's why he, uh, maybe that's why he. He doesn't have any confidence anymore, but he was he missed so many glaring chances. Um, Neymar and Mbappe didn't play, and PSG was still able to score four goals. Now, the, again, the only reason I'm talking about this is because you have PSG playing Dortmund, I believe, on, on Tuesday um, uh, in the Champions League. And initially, they were they considered 3-0, but then came from behind and, and eventually went on top, and then Amiens, Amiens like, equalized. But do you think this is a... I don't. I can't tell if this is like a morale booster or like a lesson learned kind of thing, because I mean, conceding four goals is bad, but also coming back from three goals down is also a good thing. So, what are your thoughts with like how their mindset is right now when they're going to Dortmund to play? They definitely slipped in the fact that coming back down three goals and then taking the lead and then letting Amiens share the points. That's definitely a slip. That shouldn't happen. Because when you play a team like P- Dortmund, you'd never, you're never going to get a second chance at, at, at score lines like this. So definitely it's a slip up and hopefully they can take care of business when they play Borussia Dortmund. Well, we'll see what happens. And that brings us to the UCL. I mean, you have uh, uh, very great games this week. Atletico playing Liverpool, Dortmund, and PSG, as we have mentioned. And my favorites, my, I mean, my favorite is the Champions League right now, Atalanta playing Valencia. And then you have Tottenham playing Leipzig on Wednesday. I want to just see what you think, game by game, what you think will happen, what are your predictions, what do you think, who's going to win. Uh, you don't have to necessarily give a scoreline, but... But just want to see hear your thoughts. Uh, and I'm going to start with the Atletico game. Um, you have Atletico playing at home against Liverpool. Uh, is this going to be just a, a wash? Pretty much a wash. You know what I'm saying? Do not try to stop a moving train. And that's what Liverpool are right now. So definitely, I know what Atletico is capable of in seasons past. But this is one train you don't want to get in front of. I think this is it. I think I'm going to be 
getting a lot of uh, notifications from Liverpool fans when they're listening to this podcast. But I actually think the opposite. I think Atletico is going to pull a surprise. Uh, and I, I, I'll say my reason why. Uh, first of all, not trying to say that Liverpool are not good in the front, but you know they're scoring. They're not. They're not scoring too many goals this season. And and Atletico Madrid is a very highly defensive team. Um, I think best case scenario it may be a zero zero tie, and then Liverpool wins in the second leg. But I don't think it's going to be a what. I actually think it's going to be a very tough game for Liverpool, and um, we'll see what happens. Obviously, but Liverpool are playing with confidence. But again, remember, let's not forget Liverpool had to wait to the last game to see if they qualify for the Champions League. So I think it's a different. I think it's a different um, mentality when it comes to the Champions League, and that may affect them. We'll have to see. So Dortmund PSG, who you got? Oh, this is very. Uh, you know. If they didn't get Haaland, I would have said, oh, yeah, PSG is going to win this um, for sure. But I think it's going to be uh, a high-scoring game, but I think it's going to eventually end in a tie, so maybe like a 3-3 or a 2-2. Uh, that's what my prediction is. Um, and I think PSG is going to swallow them when they go to Paris. So, I, you know, I like Dortmund. I think they can score. I think I don't think they're very good defensively. Um, and also, obviously, I mean, PSG is okay defensively, but, you know, I don't think they're all that great, um, but I think it's hard to beat Neymar and Mbappe, and and I think eventually PSG will outscore them. What do you think? Well, my thoughts are actually based on my recency bias. I watch a lot of Dortmund and not very much of PSG, and the only things I've heard out of PSG are not so good news. So I think Dortmund's gonna win this, and Erling Haaland, I think he's just gonna destroy PSG. So yeah, I'm feeling it. I, I don't hey I I I won't be surprised if that happens. But let's uh, move on to the next game. Atalanta Valencia. This is a these are two teams that are not so big and and really anything can happen. But Atalanta are going to be playing um, at home. I remember Atalanta is playing in the San Siro because they're, again their stadium is not big enough to hold um, all the fans that are going to be coming and watching the game. Um, but do you think uh, Atalanta is going to go full attack mode on Valencia? They will go full attack mode. I want them to win. It's a it's a Cinderella story of some sort. I actually didn't know they were going to be playing in San Siro. So that makes me even more of wanting them to be victorious in this competition. So Tottenham and Leipzig, I have a stake in this context. What is your prediction? You have a stake in this com- contest. Interesting. Uh, again, another game that I really can't tell what's going to go on. I just know that Tottenham are not so good defensively, although Loris is back. So that may be, uh, you know, maybe make the defense tighter. Uh, but I think the way Leipzig are playing, it's going to be too much overload for them. And I think Leipzig may actually win this. Um, I, it's hard for me to predict this one, actually. But I, I'm giving the edge to, to Leipzig. Well, I'm also giving an edge to Leipzig. And my reason being the fact that I don't think Mourinho has impressed me since his return to Tottenham Hotspur. I think this is still the same wishy-washy, unpredictable performance that this club had under Mauricio Pochettino. So I'm thinking playing a team of Leipzig's caliber, I think they are going to get it lost when they play. Yeah, the next segment is my favorite, the random fact segment. Bori, what's up for this episode? Hey, you probably actually came across this news, so I apologize if it's not a random fact. Uh, but it is, well, it is a random fact. It's just maybe a well a known random fact. But basically, uh, Barcelona crashed out of the Copa del Rey 
um, I think two Thursdays ago, and or last Thursday, not this past one, but two weeks ago, basically. And uh, there was a player that had to travel all by himself. Umtiti uh, traveled by himself to the game um, because he had a court case at 11 a.m. of the day, you know, on the day that they were playing the game. I think the game started at uh, 8 p.m. or something. Um, so, but, you know, it's just crazy to hear what the reason why he went to the court was. Um, I mean, it's incredible that a football player can uh, incur a damage of 150000 uh, on the building he's living in. So apparently he's renting an apartment and he caused a damage and the damage is worth 150000 thousand uh uh euros and it's just crazy to hear that that somebody could cause that much damage like did he like burn the apartment down or like i i don't even understand how that is even possible but that was that was the case and that's why he was late to the game that is interesting did you research further into if he still lives in the same apartment or not Oh, uh, no, I didn't do that much. Um, well, actually, it's, it's a house he rented. Right? So I think he already oh, okay. left the house. Um, okay. but, but I didn't look into much into it to see if he actually is... I, I believe he's living in another house now or maybe okay. another apartment. But first of all, why is he even renting a place? Like, he should just buy a place. I, I don't understand. But Umtiti, yeah, paying hundred, trying to pay 150000 and he obviously is going to court because I guess he doesn't want to pay for, for that pay that amount of money for damage that he caused. Definitely interesting, the lifestyle of a professional soccer player. Yep, I think that is all that we have. I thank you listeners for listening to the fourth official soccer podcast. Thank you so much. And we hope to catch up with you either on Spotify or on Google Podcast or on Apple Podcast, fourth official soccer podcast or on Twitter at fourth official SP. We'll see you again next week. Bye-bye.